Welcome back, friends, nerds, librarians, to episode 76 of the SS Librarianship Podcast. Yay! And this is like a like a heavy nerd it's a, episode, It's a doozy. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, like if you are like, I only listen for the hardcore library stuff. I'm not skip really a nerd. It's, it. Yeah, you want the next just, one. Just skip it. <laughs> if on the other hand, you're like, these guys talk about too much library stuff and I like it when they just fucking nerd out. You're yeah. going to really like it. No, you're good. One. You're fine. Yeah. It's all set. <laughs> um, we have amazing, amazing guests this week. Uh, yes. Uh, consummate friend of the podcast. You know, upset that it's not episode 77, right? <laughs> it just means that um, we'll have to do even more episodes with him to make up for yes. this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this course. is a bonus. Yes. It's not part of his usual pattern. Yes. And we're, of course, talking about Matthew Murray, uh, who's, uh, you know, always a friend of the show. Um, and we have a, a new guest on this time, too, our good friend Sarah Elaine, who just um, just moved over this January from the, the Toronto side of things mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to start a great job as a, as a digital archivist and... She's doing really amazing work there. And in the past year or so has also become a comic enthusiast, yeah. much like ourselves. Indeed. Well, I mean, like, I, I've been trying the whole comic <laughs> thing, but it's still, I'm still finding it a little hard to get into. Um, which was part of the motivation for this episode, because yeah. I was like, you know what? Allie loves the X-Men, like aspects of the X-Men. Yep. Matthew fucking hardcore forever loves the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And Sarah's getting super into the X-Men. And yeah. I want to know... How do I enjoy the X-Men? Yes. Because there's so much of it. <laughs> Definitely. So um, if you don't typically check out our show notes, like if you're a person who just downloads it and doesn't visit the website, I highly recommend visiting the website for this one just because mm-hmm. we have... Racks on, racks on, racks on, racks. Yeah, we have racks and links and all kinds of cool stuff to all the things we talked about. Um, but yeah, starting out with our, our Mind Grapes uh, comic recommendations, shockingly enough. Um, <laughs> and then we get into a fairly deep dive into some X-Men malarkey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a really, really fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess then, without further ado, let's get this one started. I'm Ali Sullivan and Gort, Klaatu, Barata, Nikto. Klaatu, Barata, Nikto. <laughs> Was that good? Was that throaty enough for you? <laughs> I need a second. <laughs> and I'm Sam Mills. And you gave your girlfriend radioactive jewelry? So, Allie? Yeah. What is on your mind grapes? Uh, well, I've been... Uh, something that's kind of... I, I guess it's a little bit topical. I've been... Uh, binge listening to a podcast that has not a small amount of black girl magic in it. Um, I've been listening, I kind of binge listened to do Two Dope Queens. Oh, uh, so, oh, it's really awesome. It's So it's Jessica Williams from The Daily Show. And, I'm sold, uh, you don't have to say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and Phoebe Robinson, who's another, um, you know, black girl magic comedian. Um, and it's their comedy show that they put on at the Bell House in Brooklyn uh, every so often you know it's a regular show that they do and so um they started recording it and putting it online so you get you know some comedy bits from stand-up comedians um they have you know they do have some white guys on there but they also have like a nice concentration of like women and people of color um so that's also really great but it's also just them talking for a while as well like even on the stage like the two of them will just like shoot the shit for like 10 minutes before the episodes like before they bring the comedians out so 
it's really, really funny. And they always talk about super inappropriate stuff. Like, you know, very explicitly sexual. Like, they do a whole thing about butt sex. And, like, it's just completely ridiculous and (laughs) super funny. And so, like, Phoebe is single and Jessica's in a relationship. So, or a relation, as they would call it. They they shorten a lot of words in a way that would make John crazy. Kids these days. <laughs> yeah, kids these days. Um, <laughs> Do you know that Jessica Williams is like 25? She's yeah. amazing. She's like a baby. Yeah. Yes, kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but Phoebe Robinson is older. Phoebe's in her 30s. Mm. So, um, so it's just it's just really funny them talking about their lives. And um, Phoebe has a book coming out soon that I really want to read. It's I think it's called like No, You Can't Touch My Hair and other things we have to tell white people. Uh-huh. Um, and she's also starting a podcast called So Many White Guys, where she's going to be interviewing. Um, like women and people of color comedians about their experience. So, yeah. so is this? Do you know if this is connected at all to um, Jay Willie's new show? Because apparently no. she has a new show coming. No, I think Two Dope Queens has actually been a show that's been going on without being recorded for quite a while. Um, and I think that eventually it came into their sort of into their view that maybe they should be recording this and putting mm. it out as a podcast. So, um, so yeah. So it was really. It's really, really good. It's really, really funny. The comedians are really good. Um, at one, one of my favorite points, they have Paul Shear come out because they are trying to determine whether or not Lenny Kravitz is hot. <laughs> and yeah. the connection so is... He's, he's like kind of a- acting as arbitrator because Phoebe thinks that Lenny Kravitz is hot. And Jessica Williams just thinks that he's creepy. He, I was just gonna say, like he totally does walk that line. Yeah, I have no idea what he looks like now. Like yeah. I can't imagine him past like. <laughs> Did you the year see the Hunger Games movies? Oh yeah, I saw the first yeah. one. Yeah, he was, he was right. Yeah. He's in the first one. I he was her wardrobe remember. guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we say so, I what suppose. does it say about Lenny Kravitz that I know better what Zoe Kravitz looks like at this point in life? <laughs> His daughter is he, more relevant. He's gracefully giving guys. way to the next yeah. generation. <laughs> but it's it's a really, really funny sort of like, they just, they, this is the only reason they bring out Paul Shear. Like he's not doing a stand-up bit or anything. It's just him trying to arbitrate this conversation and trying to Wait, determine. Wait, is it the same conversation every time? No, no. Okay. This is just like one bit that I especially liked. Oh. But like there's lots of other comedy bits that are really, really funny on there. So. It, w- it would be kind of hilarious if they had the same debate every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely go How through that still, like do we still feel it Lenny Kravitz <laughs> where are we at with our Lenny Kravitz like like since last week yeah has he increased or decreased in hotness <laughs> yeah. yes that's exactly right <laughs> idea for a new segment <laughs> just an entire podcast really <laughs> so it's called are you gonna go my way <laughs> and, and, and the answer is just yes or no every week yeah <laughs> The shortest podcast the votes ever. are in. <laughs> like like that one, um, uh, Robot or Not. Do you guys know that one? I haven't Mm-mm. actually listened to it yet, but someone told me about it and then I subscribed to it and then I never listened to it. But apparently it's this one minute long po- podcast where these guys think of a thing like a toaster or yeah. whatever. And they they ask if it's a robot or not. They briefly argue about it. They decide whether or not it's a robot. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> I think that should last more than a minute. Apparently it's quite yeah. short. Because I could definitely I could, like, yeah, I could see, I could see dragging out that conversation mm. to 
the rest of your life, really. Yeah, <laughs> with lots of like what ifs and unless. Well, there, <laughs> like for a toaster, there's that toaster that like connects the internet and downloads yeah. the weather and then burns the weather into your toast. Yeah. Why <laughs> <laughs> with DRM, I'm sure, because once there's software. <laughs> yep. Open source toasters. <laughs> awesome. I hope there's a movement for open source toasters in the future. <laughs> if that weather toaster catches on, there will be. I did not know about that. The closest to that I've ever seen is my dad has a toaster that burns the Montreal Canadiens logo. <laughs> I don't know like how, how like I don't think it's in production or whatever, but I believe somebody made one at one point. It's probably on Kickstarter. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been what I've been up to. That sounds super fun. Have you like yeah. discovered any new comedians that you now want to go find stuff out about? Oh, golly. Um, there's lots of really great people. Uh, there was one who was an, an Indian guy who's like a like a second generation Indian immigrant who um, his release pardon me releasing a comedy special soon that's called like your average american or something like that mm-hmm. or like i am your average american or something and he he seemed really really funny cool. so i'll have to look i'll have to look him up and, and see what his deal was awesome um but yeah i'll put that in the in the show notes sweet what about you matthew what have you been up to i have been reading things shockingly <laughs> <laughs> i'm such a bad librarian i like my books i have like a one in five book week. rate yeah <laughs> i hate the book <laughs> So I've been reading uh, a number of fantasy things recently, which is not usually my area. I'm not super into fantasy, hmm. but and you guys are not even on a fantasy genre well, last for your month, show right now. Well, yeah, for my for my podcast last month was fantasy. It was historical fantasy, but hysterical the fa- fantasy. I wish it was hysterical fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it was historical fantasy, which we took to be like has to happen in a real place and time. Hmm. Oh, you could watch Vikings. Yep. We could have. <laughs> we did not. Vikings is a great show. Anyway, so this is stuff that does not fit into that at right, all. Right. So, okay. um, but they all kind of do fit together, which is kind of interesting that I read them so close together. And the first one is the most recent one that I finished, which is an anthology called Chainmail Bikini. And this is actually more about, it's it's a, it was a Kickstarter graphic novel anthology last year, and it was a, all female creators talking about their experience with gaming okay and so it's a lot of it is like video gaming but also playing rpgs and larping and there's a little bit of like board games and card games and stuff in there as well and it was really like some of the people or creators that i've heard of and know and some of the stuff was really good and other stuff was like not but like that's any anthology that you're ever going to read yeah and the thing i took out of most of this was oh my gosh the gaming community is awful (laughs) yeah pretty much yeah it's about right and i know it's not awful everywhere yeah and i like to think that i am not part of the awful part (laughs) being aware of the awfulness is probably a good way to try and check that you're not being part of the awfulness absolutely yeah but it i know that it's still like a major problem out there for anyone that's basically not a straight white male playing games well i mean like i'm a big gamer i play tons and tons of video games but i don't play online anything until that that was like a point of anxiety around overwatch for you yeah i mean like that that was a huge point of anxiety is like am i gonna get you know rape threats from a 13 year old in minnesota like that's something that i just like in my life don't want to deal with yeah so you know the fact that i have shielded myself from certain points of gaming and from certain things that i'm sure would be super fun Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely like I definitely protect myself in that way. And that's something I've really been enjoying about Overwatches. You know, I've been playing with friends, which is one way to get around that. And the other is that, like I said, on PlayStation 4, the voice chat feature really isn't used very much, mm-hmm. which okay. is a nice thing <laughs> because i wonder how much of its yeah. abandonment has to do with these kinds of issues yeah well i know on on pc the voice chat is a much more common feature to be used and i mean it is helpful because like you can coordinate your assault efforts mm-hmm. which is which is important when you're playing these kind of capture the flaggy style games but um but yeah no like i i'm interested to read that because you know my my experience of the gaming community is is so insular because i i've isolated myself in that mm-hmm. way cuz mm-hmm. that's how i protect myself i don't want to be mm-hmm. part of that i i've read stuff online recently especially about just the toxic rpg community that exists oh sure and just like there's people that shouldn't interact with anybody <laughs> being horrible <laughs> to other people that want to start playing these games yeah. or not even want to start but like have played them for years and are really knowledgeable and just being they are just ignored and their knowledge yeah. is like people say it's nothing yeah. which is stupid and awful yeah. <laughs> people are the worst so other things <laughs> <laughs> and that's quite recent that just came out uh, I think it came out last year I'm wow. not sure exactly um, I just picked it up recently from a library mm-hmm. so which I was actually kind of confused about because it was a Kickstarter graphic novel mm-hmm. and I'm like is this even available from distributors like how did this library even get this I don't know maybe it was like a donation or something it could yeah maybe it was or like yeah. but I like to think that the library is like going on Kickstarter and buying certain things which I, would be cool. the next time I'm in a meeting with our selections librarians I'm so gonna ask about that awesome because <laughs> I can see some of them are pretty hip yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think you really should be doing this like libraries should be looking mm. at that stuff because some of them you're never gonna get anywhere any other way like yeah. you're never yeah. available through it's distributors another aspect of self-publishing mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah 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 and like especially for for comics self-publishing has been something that's been around for decades and is like well respected hmm. you know so yeah so the second thing which i'll just mention briefly was uh i think it's called vixen's keep which is a weird fantasy larp furry graphic novel <laughs> That is some specificity right there. It is, it is. So it was from, and I'm only bringing this up because it was talking about some of the same things. It was, came out originally in the 80s and early 90s as a, uh, in LARPing newsletters that were aimed at females. And it was about encouraging females to participate in in LARPing. And the comic was fiction, but it was all about like a female fighting school that would train female fighters to fight better. (laughs) And it was interesting to see like, because the exact same things that were in this comic were also in Chainmail Bikini. And right. it, like the exact same stories about LARPing and females, not not many females fighting in, in stuff and having their contributions discouraged and stuff. Yeah. So it's a bit depressing. So the third thing. <laughs> <laughs> Pick us up, Matthew. Uh, was Rat Queens Volume 3. Hey. Are you familiar with Rat Queens? I am Only kind of through Queens. you and Anna also okay. talking about it. So Rat Queens is a fantasy comic that is about female fantasy characters. It's like it's like very D&D, but they're also really kind of modern-ish yeah. and like horrible people. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Seinfeld, but they're like rat people. And there's a lot more swearing and drug use than oh, in sure. Seinfeld. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, they couldn't do that in Network in the 90s. And... Uh, although I am kind of 
I'm amused by the idea of a Seinfeld role, like one of the characters is doing drugs all the time. Um, because Kramer wasn't not on screen. (laughs) (laughs) So I read volume three of this, and volume one I loved, and volume two I also liked. Volume three is definitely not as good. Hmm. Uh, It's unfortunate. It went on hiatus actually just after this. So volume three, which collected like issues eleven to fifteen. Mm-hmm. came out and then issue 16 came out and then it stopped oh, okay and the writer said basically that the artist just wasn't working out because this has had like this is the third artist that they had in the book there were a lot of issues i don't really want to go into them but there was problems with the original artist mm-hmm. who had mm-hmm. to go away ah oh dear and the book has never really recovered from that which is really kind of disappointing mm-hmm. because like yeah the original artist had to go away you know Mm -hmm. there wasn't really the writer didn't really have a choice in that and he's tried to continue it and he said that he's he wants to do more but he's like taking a break he's looking he wants to find the right artist this time that makes sense and because the the art was fine but it didn't fit the quality that i had found from the first couple of volumes Mm -hmm. which was too bad yeah it's always disappointing uh yeah yeah. so like the writing was relatively consistent but the i feel the writing like it's it's hard to say because i'm like i found some of the writing not as good and like Mm. the guy is like well you know this writing this became a lot harder because of all the the outside things that were affecting me about doing this i'm like okay yeah that's definitely understandable Mm -hmm. but it's hard to say if the writing is not as good in this or if the art is making the writing not seem as good like is the storytelling mm-hmm. not clear because the writer did not make it as clear or is it because the artist is not mm-hmm. doing what the writer asked them to do i always wonder that because like i'm not a huge comic reader but i do read some and i always wonder to what extent that balance matters i'm sure it's enormous it is yes it is yeah and you can you can have writers that are capable of having a story that works no matter how terrible the artist mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then you can have an artist that can turn the worst story into something you want to look at because their art is so nice right so mm-hmm. it there are multiple extremes and then you can have the the combination of terrible art and terrible story <laughs> <laughs> so check out the first couple volumes then volume one definitely <laughs> yeah. if mm-hmm. you have any interest it's really really good cool and if you like it volume two is definitely worth it volume three is I'm a like completionist. You'll we'll, yeah. we'll discuss this more when we talk about X Men yeah. comics. <laughs> so like yeah, I went and found when I X-Men found out that issue 16 was like it was going on hiatus after that. I was like, oh, I've seen this happen with series before. This mm-hmm. might never get collected. So oh. I went and found the single issue of 16 so that I could read it. And then I talked to the writer afterwards, and he was like, yeah, issue 16 is never getting collected. Like, oh, when I come yeah. back, it's going to, like, that's not going to have happened, and I'm going to go in a different direction with the story. It's going Ooh, in interesting. Huh. So, yeah, so that's, like... Dramatic. Now the rarity thing. And I'm just huh. like, okay, yeah, I did good by picking up this issue when it, was, <laughs> when it was new and not having to pay, like, $15 in five years' time or something. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I guess I could all just download it in Comixology, so... Sarah. Yeah. What about you? Oh, well, I'm going to take it into a, a more friendly direction because I feel like we've been <laughs> nice. Yeah, we can't possibly have comics. two weeks in a row where we're <sighs> two episodes in a row. Everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I am going to talk about comics because that's what you asked me to come here and talk about. <laughs> Wait, there, there, there are other there. things to read? Apparently. <laughs> but one of them is going to segue into books. So, is know. it a book about comics? No, it's oh. a comic that's based on a book. Oh, okay. Um, so the first one is... Uh, 
something that's completely outside of my wheelhouse. I'm usually a big um, superhero reader. That's like my comics uh, genre. Um, but I took a dip into a, a title called Fresh Romance. And it's an anthology title. Um, it collects three different stories, um, romance stories, um, and they're all amazing. Um, so the first, well, the reason I dipped in is because the first story in the anthology is written by Kate Leth, who's, oh. you know, around. Uh, it's called School Spirit, and it's about, um, oh, as far as I can tell through four issues, uh, four kids who um, are trying to convince their parents that they are all like normal <laughs> kids in like normal heterosexual relationships, but then two of the girls are lesbians and maybe some of them are poly and I'm not 100% sure on the interactions there. Um, they're all teens, they're in high school. And also one of them is magic, I'm pretty sure. Nice. Uh, which is pretty great. Um, the second story is written so by I'm Kate. Just, I'm just gonna, oh. I always find it so weird whenever I see Kate Leth's name around because like I got her one of her early jobs. <laughs> doing, really? like, yeah, yeah, like because she used to work in Strange Adventures in Halifax yeah. oh. and I lived there and I would like buy comics from her. And then one day she was saying, it's like, oh yeah, like she had gotten something published somewhere i can't remember and she's like oh yeah my next step is i think she'd gotten something in lock and key maybe yeah, in that like as a so. backup strip and she's like oh yeah my next step is uh luther strode like the, i can't remember the exact the legend of luther strode or something like that and i was like oh i know that i know that guy i'll like email him and she's like oh yeah whatever and then <laughs> i like i emailed the guy because i knew him from a message board and was like hey you should this girl wants to do backup <laughs> comics for you and he's like okay so we talked to her and then she got a backup <laughs> strips in it nice. she's like the the great canadian story right now mm -hmm. like there's so many great canadians suddenly and yeah. working out of la out of marble and it's amazing yeah um so she writes school spirit as as well as all her other wonderful titles um it's really nicely drawn too i should say all these stories mm. are beautifully drawn um the second story is called ruined and it's um a Regency romance, uh, which I am a sucker for a Regency romance. <laughs> I read a lot of romance novels and they're often Regency. Um, and it's still a bit murky what's going on, but a girl has been pushed into a marriage that she's not really into. Mm. She doesn't know what's up with this guy. She's like never met him before. So that one's still working itself out, haven't quite figured out what's going on there. Is there a duke? <laughs> I don't I don't know or if he's a, a duke. I think he's maybe a, a, baronet? Just a sir. Okay. <laughs> he might just be a sir. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then the third one's called The Ruby Equation, and it's um, not Regency. It's set in a modern time, and it's a girl from an alternate dimension, I'm going to say, um, who has been sent to Earth and needs to make so many matches between people, um, love matches between them, but she's, like, been taking the lazy route and um, mm -hmm. just making, like, quick matches, and uh, she's trying to figure out how to how to make all these matches happen. So it's really delightful. All the stories are just, like, super charming and fun to read and it's really nice to dip out of my usual comics genre into something that's really really um just lovely and all the all the stories are like super uh, sex positive and everything's wonderful that's so awesome I, yeah. I think we should try to get a copy of that for langara because one of the things i do if i'm talking to first year english classes especially if they're um the remedial english classes a lot mm -hmm. of esl um i usually bring in some graphic novels to be like this is a really good way for you guys to improve your English because there's pictures yep. along with the story. It'll help you figure it out. Mm -hmm. But so many of them are like, oh, I'm a girl. There's nothing in there for me. So I've been bringing things like um, 
uh, like that one summer and like other books like that mm-hmm. but yeah. like no no these are f- <laughs> they're for everyone <laughs> so like if i yeah. can bring in one that has that romance angle to it totally. i think i would get a lot more buy-in from yeah. the girls there's been four yeah. issues and i'm so invested i'm like i gotta find out what happens to is, all it, <laughs> is it digital only do you know um it was kickstarted so i'm not 100 percent sure um if there are actual physical copies so yeah um mm. we could look it up i'm sure um but i mean it's beautiful it's it's um i can't remember the name of the press but it was kickstarted and done really successfully i think yeah well if, if it's ever collected we could yeah. we should get it so it's, there's only been four issues so far so it's mm-hmm. not been collected yet yeah, but, yeah. um it's great to see yeah. these sort of things compared to like the romance comics that used to came out in the 60s yeah. and 70s which are <laughs> <laughs> A thing that happened. <laughs> they were either like, <laughs> they were either like super drippy, like super heteronormative um, things, or they were porn, which like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, this is neither of those things. Yeah, uh, it's just really charming and they're interesting good. stories, and they're really wonderful. Um, so great. So they're all different yeah. combos of writer and artist. Each, yes. Each one so of them? each one. Sorry, I, did, I think I missed some of the artists. Uh, Kate Leth and Ariel Jovellanos, I'm sorry. Um, Ruined is Sarah Vaughn and Sarah Winifred Cyril. Oh. And the Rubik Equation is Sarah Kuhn and Sally Jane Thompson. Um, are you sure you don't just like it because there's lots of Sarahs? Lots of Sarahs involved. (laughs) That's just just life. And your second (laughs) name is Kate. Drop those into the notes. (laughs) Sarahs and Kates. That's all there is. Sarahs and Kates. Um, And then the second one I want to talk about, (laughs) I barely just on a Kate Leth kick. um, Awesome. Is Girl Over Paris, um, which is brand new. It's only had the first issue. um, Came out last week. Uh, So I guess two weeks ago. By the time this finally goes up. Super fresh. Yeah, super fresh. it's written by Kate Leth, art by Ming Doyle, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the story of a tightrope walker, in like a modern tightrope huh. walker, like in, in these times. Um, and it's based on, or it's a standalone story that's related to the book Girl Over Girl on a Wire. I just heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it happens yeah, between, I've heard about that as well. It happens well. between the two novels, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yep. I think so. Hmm. Um, so I actually read the comic first, which is... Probably like it, it was actually very easy. Like mm-hmm. you can totally just dip right into the comic and spend your three dollars and see if you like it. Um, she is going to Paris to put on a show with her her um, circus troupe, and she's walking on a tightrope over Paris, and a spectral figure grabs her by the shoulder while she's on her tightrope, and she almost falls, but she doesn't. And then there's this whole mystery. Nice. Um, but as far as I know, it's actually separate, completely separate from the mysteries that take place in the books. Um, but I liked the first comic so much that I went and started reading the book and I almost finished it last night. But, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I started last night and I almost finished it, but then it was two o'clock in the morning actually, and I had to go to sleep. No, I've heard the exact same thing from yeah. somebody else that they started yeah, reading the, the comic and then they were like, really oh, wait, I want to go read this book now. Yes. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so Girl on a Wire is the first book by Gwenda Bond. I think it came out a couple of years ago. There's two books now. Yeah. The second one, I think, just came out recently and um again yeah it's about um the girl her name is jules she uh is hybrid walker as i said and her family has this feud with this other um circus family the garcias and um they end up uh because of the economics of the circus world uh working for the same circus and there's all this um 
you know, there's bad blood between them, but there's also bad magic between them. Um, but nobody knows about the magic except for Jules's grandmother. Um, so there's Jules and one of the Garcias, Remy Garcia, they're working, who's a trapeze artist. Um, they're working to unravel like what happened back in the day that created this bad blood. And I'm almost at the end and I really want to go home and read it. Oh, <laughs> that sounds fascinating. It's really great. Is, um, this, is this the one that's published by Amazon? I'm not sure. Like, who's the publisher? Is it Jet City? If you give me... Hmm. Oh, I just closed my Kindle app. <laughs> I, I just swiped the wrong way. That's always, like... I don't know. I go through periods where I don't read anything at all for, like, yeah. a while. And then having that one book grab you that, like, keeps you yeah. up all night is And I'm really excited feeling. that there's a second one after I'm done. Um, I can tell you who published it. So mm, is is it intended to be a trilogy? Or do we know I'm yet? not sure. <laughs> Since I started reading it yesterday. No, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I might not be able to tell you. That's fine. It's Google. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's delightful. Um, Yeah. It's nice that we talked about something we liked. (laughs) Yeah. I loved both of them. Um, And then, if you'll permit me more time, oh, absolutely, one more comic that I really liked, and that's Southern Cross. Um, So this came out. Clunin. Yes. Becky Clunin, art by Andy Bellinger and Lee Lowry. It's um, a space mystery, so completely different. From, from both the previous ones. I love space. Space mm-hmm. mysteries. So um, it's about a girl who is trying to figure out what happened to her sister. Her sister was murdered um, working on this faraway planet. And she's taking a shuttle to go find out what happened to her sister. Um, and on her first night in the shuttle, her bunkmate disappeared. And her bunkmate was the investigator from the company, the mining company, trying to find out what happened to her sister. So they're actually at like loggerheads because obviously one works for the company and she's just trying to find out what happened to her sister and then that woman disappears all of a sudden and there's all these mysteries happening on this ship. And I haven't got very far in it, but it's like totally capturing me right now. That's also really delightful. Well, it's not delightful. Is it like in progress or is it? Yeah. Uh, The first volume has been published, so you can Hmm. get the first collected volume. Um, But I think there's going to be more than that. Great. It's been great. Space mysteries. Lady Space stories. mysteries. That's lady awesome. stories. Romance. Yeah. I, walking. Becky Clooney started writing Punisher recently, didn't she? I'm not sure. You don't know? Okay. Huh. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting because it's one of the only... It seemed like she was one of the only female creators writing a male character for Marvel or DC. Mm. Not just a male character, but Punisher. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. male yeah. Like, yeah. Her male character. I think once before yeah. ever. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Sam Cred. Take us home, Sam. If that's wrong, just edit it out, please. (laughs) (laughs) You assume we edit. I really carefully edit all the inaccuracies out every time. I'm very happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yesterday, I was looking for cooking shows on Netflix. There's um, not that many. There's really not that many on Canadian Netflix. There's there's a couple of the like sort of like documentary ish yeah. ones. You get, like, well, the that's, that's what I ended yeah, yeah, yeah. up getting into. So um, I'm not a big like like reality TV watcher in general, partially just because I don't have a lot of access to that kind of stuff because no cable. Um, but also, it's never been really super my cup of tea. I like you know things that take me away. Yeah. But um, on on the plane on the way back from Ontario last month, I caught an episode of um, I think it was like chopped junior or something like that and it was actually really entertaining because they weren't super mean to the contestants because they were kids (laughs) and then the like combos of ingredients and the time limits are really like entertaining and whatever so i was looking for things like that and of course i didn't find them because canadian netflix but i found um cooked by michael pollan Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating i'm only two episodes in but i'm really enjoying it so michael pollan's the like 
in defense of food guy, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Um, and he wrote this new book called Cooked, which I have not read yet. But it's divided into um, basically four parts of the history of humans and cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the episodes of the show are also divided into four parts. And he's done them through like elements as both direct descriptions and metaphors around cooking. So there's fire, water, air, and I think I, I, think I might have watched the first earth. episode of this. I've yeah. Seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really entertaining. Um, the fire one especially was just super, super well done. Yeah. Um, and had so much about the interconnections between human development, like as a species when we first sort of became human mm-hmm. and not ape, um, and the connection of that to cooking and this speculation about like, Homo erectus wandering through the remains of a forest fire and finding cooked meat and being like, this is way easier and also delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And sort of going from there. Um, So he talks about fire as the very beginning of cooking. Um, One of the really fascinating parts, and I cannot remember the name of the tribe, but I'll I'll drop it in the notes, um, is there's a tribe I want to say in Australia or possibly New Zealand um, of people indigenous to that area who... um, actually had no contact with other civilizations until like the 1960s. I think that, that would have was been Australia. Australia, Australia yeah. 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 And so I, I guess it would have been the Australian government was like looking for a place to do missile testing and like picked this patch of the desert. And then somebody there. was like, Smart. maybe we should go check and see if anyone's there. <laughs> and it, it turned out it. these people were there living Just off like, of the land out. the same way they had for 10,000 years. Yeah. And one of the women, sorry, go ahead. I was reading about some of these people, like maybe not this exact group, but similar mm. ones. And the last few people, when they finally found out about civilization and came into it, like they'd had relatives that had disappeared and gone off and lived in town. <laughs> and they were pissed at them. They were like, why didn't you, you come you back and this? find us? This is so much easier than living in the desert. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Aside from, yeah, the straddling two worlds part of it, the other thing he does that's really interesting with the exploration of this group is talk about, um, so a lot of them, most of them now sort of live in town, but mm-hmm. but only for part of their lives and usually most weekends instead of you know going to church like everyone else does they head back out onto this land which Mm. through the last 30 years has been taken away from them and then finally given back um australia just like canada not a great record about these things um but what they so they go back and they sort of live off the land for you know a couple of days and teach young people in their tribe how to how to do these things and he uses it as an exploration of like the difference between men and women and risk versus reward in like hunting and finding food and preparing food and mm-hmm. um, there's these great sequences with a woman who was part of that initial group that was discovered she was already an adult at that point and now she's like eighty ish they actually don't know <laughs> um, and her little group of women going out and like. Every day that they're out there, they take their sticks and they poke at like lizard burrows and they pretty much always bring back like at least one lizard for everybody to cook and eat. Mm-hmm. And then the men hey. go out and they try to <laughs> try, try to hunt lizard. these much bigger, more like difficult to capture game. Lizards. And often they come back, little turkeys and things, often they come back empty handed. But that's just the way it goes for them. Yeah. And then yeah. once yeah. in a while, they'll bring back something big. And so there's all, like also this connection of like, like, yeah, that's women's work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> killing, dismembering, Every culture a lizard. Yeah. has its women's yeah. work. Yeah. Um, I was eating breakfast during the lizard part. That was a mistake. <laughs> 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 but it was fascinating. I, um, I, th- I think, though, that you have 
to go back to what you said earlier, I think you have a really great hit idea for a show, though, which is the one where you make children cry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Cook this lizard. <laughs> oh my gosh, definitely. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Eight-year-old <laughs> Allie probably totally would have gone and caught and eaten a lizard. Like, oh yeah, in Arizona, I totally would have done that. Mm. But like, you'd have won that that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Survivor, I, yeah. but with children. <laughs> I spent. Uh, Take this lizard and these pop tarts. <laughs> you have ten minutes. <laughs> I spent a portion of my summers when I was a child um, in the states, and our neighbors at the cottage um, owned a pig farm. Mm-hmm. and the pigs were raised for meat and so you mm-hmm. got quite close to the pigs that then disappeared yeah. um at the end of the summer so i'm very immune i feel like we could have a real competition alley yeah uh, <laughs> 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 last two finalists no qualms i'm so glad that you mentioned pigs because that was the other really entertaining part of the first episode which i'm sure you remember too is um is so it's intercut with interviews with Paulin where sometimes he's reading from his book sometimes he's just talking about certain aspects of of the history of this type of sort of more primitive cooking um, they go through the south and talk about like southern barbecue and spend some time with a pit master there who's like roasting a whole pig and um, they also talk to uh, I don't remember his name but the kind of crazy guy who used to work for Microsoft and is now like a molecular chef we'll find his name oh. Is he British? No. No. Anyway, they talked to him also. And he actually had some, he often comes off as really pretentious, but he had some interesting things to say about like actually flavor coming from chemical compounds in wood and, you know, cherry wood actually smelling like cherries and all of this. Um, But mostly there was a lot of focus around pigs, pig farming, pig roasting as sort of this like quintessential cooking thing. And then Pollen gets into talking about the time when he was 15 and his dad decided to buy him a pet pig and he was 15 and like he was like i guess i kind of liked pigs but like i was not expecting a pet pig (laughs) so um they they named the pig at the behest of his father kosher (laughs) and then they were like a and this tells you something about how michael pollen grew up but they were summering at martha's vineyard (laughs) (laughs) and he had the pig with him and he he tells the story like he's feeding the pig and the pig is eating and he's feeding the pig and suddenly he has this 200 pound pig on his yeah, hands yeah. which he cannot take back to like 83rd Madison or whatever in like <laughs> Manhattan um, and James Taylor the singer mm-hmm. has a property nearby and also owns a pig Mona <laughs> the song Mona is about this pig <laughs> James Taylor has a song about this pig um, and so as they describe themselves, because they interview James Taylor too, these two city boys who don't know a ton about pigs but happen to own pigs put these two pigs in the same pen. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And Mona starts chasing kosher around the yard. And then they leave to go get some wood to build a fence. And they come back and kosher has died of a heart attack. What? That's oh, not the ending no. I expected. And then, yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be like, now there's 46 piglets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colin, and the camera sort of zooms back a little and you can hear all this chatter behind the camera. And then he goes, no, we didn't eat kosher. <laughs> he was a pet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this is all just to say that it's it's really fascinating because it goes into a lot of the history and like anthropology around cooking and humans, but also mm-hmm. tells these really 
interesting sort of personal mm-hmm. stories too. Yeah. Um, and it just, oh, it made me want to just cook. I mean, I love yeah. cooking anyway, but it's really, it's part of Paul and Tal oeuvre of like eating really good quality food, which mm-hmm. is always an inspiring thing to think about. So. Pigs that have died from heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. Well, it really I mean, depends it, on what 15-year-old Michael Pollan was feeding that pig. <laughs> it probably have some like some good some good marbling and some good fatty tissue if it mm. if it died of a heart attack. <laughs> anyway, I highly recommend checking it out. I've watched the second one too, but I haven't gotten any further than that. Great. Yeah. We we've all been very busy. Mm. So let's talk about X-Men. So my experience with X-Men is um I was telling Matthew earlier, I think it's kind of like my experience with Star Trek in that some of my favorite things about the X-Men are, or like some of the iterations are probably the things that hardcore X-Men fans think are lame. Cause like my favorite Star Trek series is Voyager and everybody hates Voyager. Um, but like, you know, my, my entry to X-Men was when I was like 11, 12, 13 and watching X-Men evolution because they were teenagers and it was awesome. And rogue was like goth rogue and it was fantastic. <laughs> so that was my like entry point. That's where I started with X-Men and then I watched the movies, and I've read, like, a couple issues of comics, but I haven't gotten into it that much. So, you know, I really love the X-Men movies. Whenever there's a new one out, I always go see it. And that's kind of where I sit with the X-Men. I'm, like, a very peripheral fan, but I am interested in getting more into it because it is always something that has been really interesting to me, but, like, what we're kind of framing this episode around, it's something that is so big, and there's so many things that if you are getting into it for the first time it's really difficult to tell where to start yes um where will be my entry point so that's that's you know something i think both of us would like to uncover yeah i mean when i pitched this to you guys and i said come and tell us how to enjoy the x-men that's really what i meant because it's it can be overwhelming to try to get into something that is Mm -hmm. so vast and has been around for so long and is so obviously so like perpetually still popular and means something to people Mm -hmm. so we've already touched on it but i will tell you again that the way the way i got into x-men i've only been reading x-men for like a year and a half. I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible expert for this <laughs> podcast. Um, is, it's not about was, time, it's about depth. Yeah. Uh, I was at a bar with a friend of mine and I was complaining I didn't have any podcasts to listen to and he gave me a whole list of podcasts to listen to. I got all of them, listened to the first episode of a bunch of them and the one that I liked best was Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men. So, um, Wait, so you say that you've read mostly superhero comics and yet you had never read X-Men comics? N- no, see what you're... <laughs> Okay, maybe there's critical context here. I didn't start reading comics until about two years ago. What? Yeah. <laughs> I've just gone like Hey, that means on, you've got a year hog. on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is, I think, you know, uh, growing up as a as a girl and as a in a very conventional environment, mm-hmm. comics were never a thing I felt like was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of years ago when I first realized that I could read them, uh, A.K. walked into a comic book shop for the first time and nobody told me to get out. Um, <laughs> I uh, It was very liberating. Yeah. Um, and the X-Men is one of those lines that, as you said, it's huge and it's um, really complicated and people are really, really fanatical about it. But it's also the kind of line that anybody can find a, a home in. Hmm. Um, and that's what I like about it. So I tend to gravitate towards like boarding school dramas, romance, soap opera things, and high adventure. Um, and all of that and is it's kind of X-Men. got all of that. <laughs> and it does, it does, um, depending on where you want to look. Um, so Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men is, um, it's a very in-depth look at 
the X-Men, like so in depth. <laughs> they cover a couple of issues. I think there's like maybe. four to six an episode, like yeah. a week. Wow. And they're oh, for the history of the X-Men. They started in 1963 with X-Men number one. Um, so they're uh, 115-ish episodes in now. Yep. They're in the mid-80s. Um, I think they're at the end of the 80s now. The end of the 80s? Yep. And uh, so right now, I think they're covering about five different lines <laughs> at, a, wow. at a go. <laughs> so there's X-Men, X-Factor, New Mutants, Excalibur, Wolverine, other miniseries and crossover <laughs> as they happen. Yeah. So they're covering all of it. And... Um, they go into really great detail, not just about the issues, but they also look um, very critically. Jay is a comics critic, um, as well as an editor and sometime writer of comics. Um, so they look very critically at sort of the themes that are explored and how the art works. So like things we were talking about earlier, like how art can elevate comics or detract from it, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, so, but it's also a lot of fun. I don't want to make it sound like it's like some like, <laughs> terrible, no, dreary look into Honestly, into my, a... my one criticism of the show is that they are too positive. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to love almost everything. Yeah. And I, like some of the things they talk about being great, I'm like, no, that was a terrible garbage series. <laughs> See, but I mean, that's where we differ. Do I tend to episodes of a thing without. I tend to be extremely positive about everything too. So I'm good with it. <laughs> I, am not. I tend to, to gravitate between those two with properties that I really love. I mean anybody who's heard me say anything about Star Trek into Darkness. Oh God, please don't start it again. Which I will not. Um, I recently had a very healthy debate about it on Facebook with someone who's out of my system for right now. <laughs> I feel like what I really want but, you guys to read are the Star Trek X-Men crossover comics. I've actually seen... No, not and, the comics. There's, and There novel. are some novels. Yep. I feel like I've read one of those yep. in my like it was youth of reading every single Star Trek novel that there ever was. Like early Amazing. slash mid-90s yep, and totally, Next Generation. Totally. I remember that book yep. cover real, real like closely. So, okay. So I've been reading comics for like actually reading comics mm -hmm. for maybe a year. So less than you. And I've also really enjoyed the recent spate of Marvel movies and so that's been a big reason why I decided to like try Marvel Unlimited and try reading some different yeah. comic runs and I read Civil War and all of that. I remember watching the X-Men cartoon in the like early 90s and enjoying it. Not it in great. any kind of like... I didn't watch it regularly or anything like that, but I remember enjoying it whenever. And I knew who all the characters were because of that. We watched a lot of Spider-Man too. Like we watched a lot of the cartoon versions of Marvel. And then the movies started. And I think I was like just exactly the right age yeah. for, for that first X-Men movie. Like I was like 17 or something when it came out. And it was so much fun. And the second one was super fun too. And then the third one was so bad. And then <laughs> he managed to come back and fix it. Yes. It was a different person, though, wasn't it? Was it? A different person. No, no, it was. No, it first was, class was a different director. Mm -hmm. But he was involved in the story. Right? I can't remember his name now. Brian, Brian Singer. Singer. I, I, Singer. Thank you. I think you. he was not involved with the first class. Was he not no. involved in first class at all? No, he wasn't involved. In first and then he was class. brought back for he Days was, of Future Past. He was brought See, back this is for why Days of Future Past. And then Apocalypse. So I think the trilogies go the same way. They're like good. Not so great, terrible. Oh, it's disagree. Time, right? Yeah, also, I have so agree. <laughs> I haven't even seen Apocalypse, so I'm just going to see it without I was so fascinated by the way they managed to turn it around and also like inject some cool time travel stuff in there. And that really got my attention because I love time travel stories. My uh, So I really enjoyed Apocalypse. I came out of the theater going, this was amazing. What is everyone talking about? I had a lot um, of fun at that movie. My criticism of it is that it was like too much for one movie. Mm. Yeah, um, I really would have liked to see the teen story. Um, yeah, on one side, and I've then been, like the actual apocalypse story, like over here. Yeah, I don't actually my, care. About my big the problem with story. apocalypse is always like, what 
does he want? Why is he evil? Survival of the fittest. Yeah, to be a god. <laughs> no, he wants people I to be the best. I that as a big cartoony blockbuster it's concept. Also, can we talk to... about how much of a shame it is to put Oscar Isaac in that face? No. <laughs> what a waste of his face. And it yeah. misses his voice a little too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So bad. Yeah. weird. But, but that's all sort the of teens my... were like... Amazing. Yeah. I yes. All. Although, well although Sophie, uh, Sophie, Sophie, Turner. Sophie Turner's American accent is atrocious. <laughs> it didn't distract me. It didn't distract me. Oh either. God, that kind of stuff just distracts. I'm a weirdo. Maybe I don't know. But like bad accent work distracts me so much. I loved the girl who played Storm. Yeah, she yeah, was great. I like who played Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah, I want to see more of them. Nightcrawler's my fave. Mm-hmm. Mine too. I think the problem is there's so many X Men characters and okay. stuff that like they can't. Put it all in a movie. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot to tr- to jam into one movie. Um, but going back Have to you guys the- seen? Speaking of watching <laughs> X Men stuff, yeah. Before we even get into it, episode. have you seen the the fan music videos that people have made? Like the Dazzler one, Dazzler and Leela Cheney. <gasps> yeah, oh, they're wow. so good. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, so Matthew, definitely so link to those. Before we get super super deep in, so we've all sort of talked a little bit about our background with it. It kind of seems like it's just like you were born as a fully formed X Men fan. No, 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 right no, 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 no. Because um, how did you get into it? So I've been reading comics since the 1980s, mm-hmm. which is a lot longer than any of you guys have. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I started reading X Men only after um my my gateway was actually the the early 90s cartoon as well (laughs) and i loved it and then i went i was buying comics from like drugstore magazine racks Mm -hmm. and then my gateway in was an issue of excalibur which was the like uk x-men team that warren ellis wrote Mm -hmm. and that then led into the next month i was like okay i need to know what happens next and this was like the first time that i like wanted to know what happened next in another comic and i went to the comic book shop and that was the month that age of apocalypse launched which was this <laughs> giant crossover where they replaced all of the x-men books with an alternate reality version of all of them for four months and so instead of mm. uncanny x-men it was like astonishing x-men and instead of wolverine it was weapon x and instead of yeah. x-factor it was gambit in the externals for four months and so i read all of those <laughs> and you're like this is x-men this i was is like what it is. this is awesome <laughs> and then they were like psych and then it came back and i kept reading um excalibur and i read a lot of back issues and i continued reading x-men for a while until i stopped reading superhero comics near the end of the 90s for a few years for, for reasons for 90s reasons, reasons. and uh, <laughs> i've since read a lot more superhero comics since then i've read a lot of x-men stuff i have read every x-men comic from like about issue 50 up to like issue 300 something including all of the spin-offs that aren't miniseries and even some of those i haven't read all did of you do that in order some of it in order um some of it out of order and then in order again afterwards tracking down some of the issues like later issues of new mutants was like the bane of my existence mm-hmm. i'm still tracking down back issues if any of your listeners have like complete runs of like generation <laughs> x that they want to give me your real motives for being here are being revealed I was, i'm not even joking like this time last week i was at a, a local small comic book convention looking through dollar bins to try and find issues of x factor x force and generation x wow because that's my next goal so... is to read all those. Because I read, I've read everything up to Age of Apocalypse, and so now I'm reading <laughs> stuff after that. Some of it I've read before, but I'm, I've decided like this is my next goal, <laughs> and I've read a lot of the more recent stuff as well. So, what is it you like about X Men? Where were you able to? What is it that grabbed you? 
it was like the school for outsiders um thing where i was like i have no friends i want to be a mutant and go to this school and be awesome yeah yeah exact same and yeah. since then it's just like i enjoy these Except characters as an adult. now <laughs> yeah. oh completely yeah <laughs> you still feel like I, I am now confident enough in myself that i no longer feel the need to go <laughs> off and be a mutant i'm also too old for my powers to become established <sighs> not if you listen to the Deadpool movie that just came out, I guess. That's not continuity. <laughs> Deadpool isn't even a mutant. No. Yeah. He's mm. different. <laughs> He's different. So I've read a lot of stuff. I've read a lot of stuff that I think is not very good. Yeah. And other stuff that I think is better. So Sarah, you were recently doing something that I also recently tried to do, which was read the like original 1963 run. Don't, yes. Don't. You know, no, how, I how disagree. was that? Um, I enjoyed it, but more in like a oh, those were some times kind of way. <laughs> I feel like that was some of our initial Twitter bonding yeah. was like over Professor X being a creeper. Sort of in love with Jean, and she's like 15 years old. Like, but it's so at the same time, like every male character yeah. in they those didn't comics really know what else to do with her. Awful yeah. because, yeah. like, I, I've read like all of like most Fantastic Four up to like issue 100 something or whatever and like Reed Richards is awful mm. in the same way like mm. he's just a terrible person yeah I, I went through a few but of it's also fascinating to read around. the non-Marvel stuff that was coming out at the same time mm-hmm. I recently read a bunch of like late 50s early 60s Legion of Superhero comics and they are horrible garbage <laughs> in comparison <laughs> and like when you look like and I, I'm there are people that love that stuff and defend it all day and I'm yeah. definitely not one of them and if if my choice is to read more of that or read early X-Men comics it's X-Men comics all the way yeah <laughs> they they um like obviously they suffer uh because times are have changed mm-hmm. um but they're also pretty like they're pretty enjoyable like the kids have adventures and they are woefully ill-equipped to deal with life um I don't know what Professor X is teaching them at the school, but like the paramilitary danger room, danger room, yeah, danger room, exactly. danger room. And the danger room is like it's really interesting to look at the danger room back in the day. Like it's so different from now how we think about it now. It really is just because of the CR attack. <laughs> yeah, um, hard light holograms. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying things that you guys don't understand. <laughs> Sentinels. Yep, they th- they're a thing. Uh-huh. Good job. Woo. So point. Um, so they've been collected into some some trades. So you can you can go buy early like trades of the early X Men comics, and mm-hmm. I have the first two volumes of the Masterworks, which is the the fancy version. The fancy versions. So I got them yeah. used on Amazon, and so it worked pretty well. Um, but if you are interested in sort of early team formation and um, uh, the boarding school stuff, which is definitely where I love the place that i really like um i highly recommend x-men season one so this is mm. recent it was published in 2012 um but it goes back and sort of reworks those early comics so it's dennis hopeless um writing it's jamie mckelvey drawing the art so it's yep. beautiful and it's um it's kind of funny so marvel did a whole line of season one comics where they went and they hired artists to go and write like five or six issues no nope, um, they were original graphic novels Okay, original graphic novels. My apologies. Um, of okay. of uh, like the early days of a bunch of different comics, and I've only read the X Men one, but hmm. it is delightful. Like it's just you know Jean Grey coming to um, uh, the Xavier School and going like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> who are these guys? These guys are Which all is awful. Like they're between yeah, the lines. Exactly. Those yeah. original yeah. Yeah. ones. Um, yeah. And I, I just find it really charming. Like there's a lot of good interactions between her and Scott and her and Warren who. Um, 
a lot of people don't like I've forgotten that Warren Worthington, yep. the angel, was one of her early love interests. Mm-hmm. Um, it rewrites Bobby and uh, Hank's friendship in a, in a way that I really, really enjoy. Um, and that they're like super tight and just bros. And I nice. like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so hard recommend on on X-Men season one if you want to look at um early x-men without actually going and reading early offensive x-men <laughs> what what's also what i enjoy for early x-men stuff is and that also has uh i believe like fairly good gene gray is the some of the x-men first class stuff uh especially the backup strips that were done by colleen coover which are adorable <laughs> does that have any relationship to nope. what they did with the first class movie they really uh, just ripped off the title. They just took the title, I yeah. think. It I was mean, like, it was an appropriate title for it was, the story. But. So some of the X-Men like retellings of the early year stuff mm-hmm. is very much set in a time. And it's like, it's not now because it's earlier, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's also not the 60s really. But like, when is this? Because like, mm-hmm. if you look at the sliding time scale, like the original X-Men comics now happened in like 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's mm-hmm. when Cyclops yeah. and Iceman and everyone like were in 15, 20 years older than, they you know, were. like, yeah. so it doesn't work in any way that like, oh, they should have cell phones and like, <laughs> whatever, you know, like they shouldn't be going to the, the coffee a go-go and watching beat poets. Like, I guess, I guess you could do that in the year 2000, but like, oh, I would have, but, but the X-Men do not seem like the ones that would really do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just Bobby. One way to, like, especially as someone who doesn't read a lot of comics and doesn't have a lot of, like, the comics vernacular, like, one way to look at all these different runs is to look at them as alternate universes, right? So, I don't know. Maybe it works that that, way. That's kind of what it's becoming more and more, I feel, is that with the constant relaunches with new number ones for new writers that come on, Mm -hmm. is that they're dealing with them more as, like, an individual writer's take. (laughs) And while there is continuity between like one writer to the next it seems like there's somewhat less of that than there were like everyone is like a a relaunch yeah Hmm. which is frustrating at times if you really liked how a run was going and like the characters that are there and then like the new series comes out and you're like oh those characters don't show up anymore talk to jubilee anymore which a vampire now (laughs) and and has an adopted baby like i kind of like jubilee as a mom tbh interesting (laughs) Which is sort of like, <laughs> Sorry. I'm just thinking that's, still, like, that's a place where the, awesome. the fans who are religious really fans of the movies can maybe get on board too. Yes. It's like there are runs yeah. of movies now, basically, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like that, I feel like that's maybe that switch was a little easier for people who are already, especially and, like you, Matthew, who are already versed in like things end and then they get restarted and that's just how comics work. The thing is, is that sometimes I see people get so excited about the movies and I just don't care. Yeah. Like I'll see some of them, but like I haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse and like maybe I'll watch it on DVD for a year from now. <laughs> and it's just like, whatever. But then I will continue to read like 90s X-Men comics or like new X-Men <laughs> comics. And... What was the place of the movies for you, Sarah? Like, I mean, I'm guessing that you watched a lot of them before you started reading the comics. Oh yeah, like I yeah. started watching them like when they first... Yeah. Started, like, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen them all like... In the theaters. Well, I saw one, maybe. I think I had never seen um, three. I don't. I'm really bad at titles. Good for you. And I had not seen the Wolverine ones before. I rewatched the whole suite of them a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The the only one that I didn't see in theaters was the second Wolverine one, which was actually pretty good. Is that the one? It's the future. 
No, it's the samurai one. Japan. Japan. The samurai one. So if you don't mind, like yeah. severe Orientalism. Yeah, uh, but I mean story wise, no, story -wise, I thought that was so terrible yeah, for that really sometimes. Bad. There's yeah. some really just keep going to Japan problematic <laughs> yeah, Japanese. characters. So that's interesting because often, and that's maybe another aspect that I want to ask people who have more exposure to X Men than me is like. Often the X-Men, at least colloquially, when we talk about comics in popular culture, are a place where people go, oh, they're like, they're getting it right. Like, it's a metaphor for all sorts of outsider yeah. experiences, including like LGBT experiences. And so it's interesting that even within that, yeah. there's still some problematic stuff. I think the the mutant metaphor is something that um, they really latched onto in the early days and like right up until the 2000s, but something they've kind of stepped away from. Hmm. Uh now like i mean part of it is like how many times can you tell the story of a world that hates and fears them like it's just tiresome especially <laughs> like the the big argument against that that people have is that like well why don't people hate the fantastic four or yeah, yeah. Ugh, like the avengers yeah, or whatever the avengers, well i guess they sort of just dealt with that one a little bit <laughs> <laughs> by drawing on civil war but um and it's something I or think the inhumans stepped, yeah mm. it's something they've stepped away from a bit and um I think that's probably a good thing. Hmm. Um, I think there's a lot out there if people see value, in, like they if they identify with that metaphor and they see a lot of value in, in reading about it, there's a ton of great X-Men comics um, that you can read and identify with and and that's great. But the, again, like how many times can you tell this one story yeah. <laughs> about fighting against this world? It's it's a, There's a limited scope. I well, think one of the things that X-Men did comics did do well, especially in like the late 70s and 80s, is have representation. Mm -hmm. And so you had female characters playing major roles and you had non-white characters playing major roles. Yeah. You have Storm as the leader of teams. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and like Danny Moonstar is the leader of the New Mutants mm -hmm. or like co-leader. But still like yeah. that's. Just, yeah. Aboriginal, Native American. Yeah. Huh. So it was more than just a metaphor. No, it was it was, it was more than a metaphor. And like it's like mm -hmm. Chris Chris Claremont, who was writing this stuff through the the seventies and eighties, like seemed to make an effort to include like female characters mm -hmm. and have them be at the forefront and hmm. have them have powers. And like it's not I'm not saying he never made missteps, but mm -hmm. like overall he did It's come a long way from like uh, 1963. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Our maid is taking the day off, so Jean Grey has to cook dinner for the boys. Like <laughs> that legitimately I don't think happens. I got that I'm not far. even. Oh, it legitimately happens. Um, <laughs> just like Jean so, should just trick them all into believing they've had dinner. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that would have been good. Yeah. Uh, would require would have required like, a, a different writer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the the first roster of women. Um, Someone I found fascinating in those early comics too is is Wanda. Mm -hmm. um, Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. So one of the weirdly, and I, I feel like it's kind of the same with Matthew's like childhood experience of of reading these alternate runs right away. One of the first big runs that I read of Marvel, other than Civil War, was House of M. Oh, which I yeah. really enjoyed, but it was sort of a weird introduction yeah. to all these characters because it was. Like you're saying, Sarah, it was sort of a moment where they were like, we're not just going to keep telling the story yeah. of the maligned mutants. And so instead, we're going to have Wanda go crazy and change the entire universe so that mutants are on top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like they are homo superior and they are in charge of everything. Yeah. And 
it was really fascinating to see what happens to all of those characters mm-hmm. in and out of the X-Men in a universe like that. Um, and having it be all rooted in Wanda's power was really interesting. I don't know. I really enjoy her as a character, even when she's used as more of a like, she went crazy and was the catalyst for this, but she's not really a character in this. <laughs> like, she, she's w- always been more of like an Avengers character. Mm-hmm. Like after her, like when she was first introduced as in like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, mm-hmm. she was an X-Men character. But then when she went over to the Avengers, she's always had more connection to like, like being married to the Vision and stuff right. like that. Yeah. And hasn't really ever, be- I'm not sure if she's ever been on an X-Men team. Does anybody know? I don't know. No I think those early comics are the only place that I've seen her in context with the X Men. She's she's showing up, but like she was always way she, she was like on like Avengers right. and West Coast Avengers and stuff. Hmm. I guess like maybe Uncanny Avengers kind of counts as an X Men team. <laughs> the lines are blurrier in comics, which is yeah. another thing that's like both fascinating and super frustrating yeah. when you first start to break in. Because mm-hmm. that House of M arc covers like what happened to a lot of the X-Men, but it also yep. covers like what happened to Peter Parker in that universe and what happened to Steve Rogers yep. in that universe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's not as many of these. I don't know. As someone who started with the movies, that part is always really exciting. The part where like the Avengers and the X-Men have this big mm-hmm. meeting together and like they're all in the same panel and you're like, that would never happen in a movie. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rights issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Star Trek fan. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fox. Uh, <laughs> One of the, um, again, when we talk about there's, there's so many X characters, um, so many different teams, but one of the things that, um, you know, picking my way through all the X lines in the last year-ish, one of the things that I've enjoyed most is the little funny weird offshoots. Hmm. Um, those are some of my favorites. Oh, no. No, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was, I was just going to mention like one of my favorites and it's one of the only single Do issues it. I've capped. <laughs> And this is the Generation X Underground Special, which was drawn by Jim Mafood. And it's like, I still don't know how this was ever published by Marvel. <laughs> and it's just them like, it's a black and white comic with Jim Mafood, who has like a very distinct style. And they're like, one of the stories was this about them playing video games. And I was like, this <laughs> is what I want right. every month. <laughs> That's like, I... Uh... Yeah, I tend to gravitate towards the same things. Like, I want to know what the X-Men are doing when they're not X-Manning. Mm. Um, playing baseball. Playing you want baseball. an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of thing, but I for want, the like, X-Men. I want, Matt Fraction Hawkeye, but for the yeah. X-Men. Yeah. Like, I, I what was, he's not doing when he's not when he's not an Avenger. Always a little disappointed when, like, they had the school focus series, and then they went off and fought supervillains yeah. or whatever. And I'm just I like, no, no, no. I want to know what like, they're learning like, in just, class. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. do classes, just have, like, the soap opera, yeah. where they yeah. also have mutant powers, but they're, like being teenagers yeah so sarah yeah. did any of the one-offs that you enjoyed sort of cover some of that um well there's a, a very recent series called worst x-man ever um <laughs> and it is i'll pull up the credits so i can tell you who it's actually written by it's uh max, max bemis Sle- yeah. drawn by michael walsh and it's this um it's a, a short run like what, five, five issues, issues? Just a miniseries yeah um and that's it it was never intended to be more than that and <laughs> it's about a, a new kid who comes to the xavier institute um, he knows he's a mutant, but he doesn't quite know what his power is yet. Um, so they do some testing and they find out his power, um, is that he can explode. Once. Once. Oh. 
Oh, oh no! Oh no! That sounds yeah. evolutionarily <laughs> useful, I guess. Yeah, because um, it's like, like Negasonic Teenage Warhead, but but once, like, but once he doesn't go back together wow. again. It's it's really Gosh. impossible to view these as evolutionary things. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, none, no, you, you kind of just, just have to ignore the evolutionary that advantage yeah. in being able to blow up on a tribe level. Or, or like <laughs> some of them are just like are being incapable of breeding and having children because yeah. you're a gaseous life form or whatever. <laughs> yeah. like. um, so worst X-Men ever uh, largely is just about him like he finds us out and he's like totally bummed and he has to deal with like being at school and like everybody knowing that that's his power um, and at the end he uh, spoilers gets to use it in a very heroic way um, which is nice but also awful. Yeah, like It's extremely sad at the end but it's also just like it's funny and charming and you it's so well written you totally get like if you were 14 years old and you found out that that was your fate um it really captures like how awful that is and how terrible it can be to have these powers and that doesn't sound like a very charming thing but i do recommend it it's mm-hmm. um it's sad but there's, good there's <laughs> another character that that guy kind of reminds me of who was i think his name was forget me not and his power was that when you weren't looking at him, you forgot he existed. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and so people like would like find him in the X Mansion and freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing here? You've broken. And he's like, no, no, like I live here. It's cool. Oh, so like your memories of him would not come back when you yeah, looked yeah. at him. It was just like constant. Oh, man. Um, it was. And so he was used like in a couple of like one off stories and then um, yeah. in an X-Force run. And it was like it was kind of like tragic, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also amusing. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Another, again, a lot of my uh, X-Men reading, I've done some early reading, I've done some 80s reading, and then otherwise I'm like modern. Um, a little bit of uh, Grant Morrison's New run X-Men in the run. early 2000s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, that was actually, I think, the first X title I ever started reading. I was just like, that seems, well, actually, Jane Miles were like, that's a good place to start. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I yeah, read Yeah, I feel like I haven't listened to their podcast yet, but yeah. I have gone to their website and yes, like they've got a started list a couple of their runs. Yeah. That tells you yeah. what to read. And season one and Grant Morrison's New X-Men are both on there. Um, but another one that I've really enjoyed and is sort of like off in the weird stepchild X line <laughs> is X-Men 92. Um, so this is the X-Men from the 90s cartoon. Like the cartoon. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got your sassy Jubilee and your gruff Wolverine and um, other folks. And it starts out in a mall, like, as <laughs> of course all it does. 90s cartoons <laughs> should start. And um, and then it goes off in some really weird directions. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, the first um, volume was pre... It was Battle thing. World. It was part yeah, of pre- uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, it was part of Secret Wars. Sorry. Um, oh, okay. And it's an infinite comic, so it's digital first intended for for infinite scrolling and they do really cool things with it uh which was kind of mind-blowing i was like whoa digital can be really fun Mm -hmm. um and it brings back like you've got ro with her giant hair and like really really cheesy gambit and like all (laughs) that weird thing he always had on his head yeah he's always had that weird thing i don't understand call call share (laughs) call some share the whole the whole comic um it's really enjoyable but again it's one of those ones that's off in the weird kind of great if like did you cross over with Cher? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so confusing. <laughs> so those are those are my three hot wrecks. Season yeah. one, uh, worst X Men ever, and X Men ninety two. I mean, I've got more, but they does tend sound to be like more doable series. places. Does They're all short runs that you can read like mm-hmm. in an afternoon. All three of them, okay, in one afternoon. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah. If you had to, like, recommend a place to start, start. Like, if you had someone who was just really interested, basically tell us where to start. Um, <laughs> I yeah. feel like Joss Whedon's and John Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men is viewed as one of the best things to read because it is separate it's not crossing over with other stuff mm-hmm. it's its own independent thing it's like 25 issues long it has nice art mm-hmm. and it has a lot of the like the classic x-men people in it sure so you'll Plus sort of you have a primer all for all these yep. mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly like it's a really mm-hmm. easy sell to anyone that likes buffy or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah um new titles wise all new wolverine is just fantastic that's mm-hmm. the one with the teenage girl clone of Wolverine as Wolverine. Interesting. So Wolverine in current continuity has died. He's dead and he is ideally hopefully not coming back anytime soon. Was this after he showed up in the new Ms. Marvel? When did Um, that happen? Yes, because he was depowered in Ms. Marvel. Okay. Uh, And then he died. Ms. Marvel was one of the first comics I ever not, read in the modern era, so I just remember actually, him popping in. Ms. Marvel <laughs> yeah. is the comic that brought me into comics. Like, <laughs> two years ago, I was like, what? There's a comic about a Pakistani-American girl that's yeah. a superhero? Tell me more. <laughs> um, and so I read it, and that's what got me into comics. Um, All New Wolverine is Laura Kinney. She's X-23, so she's mm-hmm. um, she's actually a clone of, of Logan Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of raised her just a tiny bit uh, not really she was kind of just in a test tube for a long time yeah she was raised yeah. by like government yeah. scientists um and there's been nine issues so far in all new wolverine and um it's about her sort of finding her way in the world and the first story arc is about her finding more clones of herself um and having to take care of them and also find the people who are trying to find them mm. um and it's dark and sad and charming and there's a crossover with Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. So you should watch. <laughs> you should read that for sure. <laughs> it feels like a lot of this. I mean, there's just such universal themes everywhere. But it does feel like through all of the X-Men that any of us have had contact with, you have these threads of being totally alone and not knowing anybody like you, finding mm-hmm. people like you, and then finding people who want to take advantage of people like you. <laughs> like, yeah. Sort of big Like that's a the thing. Like when you're a mutant, uh, it's in the way that mutants exist in in the X universe, you are alone. Like there's no, there is nobody else like you, even though there are other mutants like rogue is a classic example. Like she is completely alone in her, her body. Like she can't touch other people. Oh, except for Mm -hmm. the time when like Carol Danvers also lived in her mind. (laughs) (laughs) Except for when Carol Danvers lived in her brain. That's true. Uh, There's always an unless in this conversation. Thank you so much, you guys. I feel like that really is a very surfacey skimming of it, yeah. but it gives us so many places to like. I want to mention get in. one more. Before yeah, yeah, go for yeah. it. So, so based on like what you were saying with X twenty three, like meeting her clones and like dealing with that, a series that I reread some of recently and enjoyed is mm-hmm. the X Factor series from like the two thousands, but written by Peter David. And so this is about X Factor as a, like a private investigator group. And oh, the main character that. is Jamie Madrox, who's multiple man. Oh, I love Jamie and he, he, yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah. And so he can send out duplicates of himself. That's okay. his power. You hit him and there's a, there, there's a duplicate of himself. Like, yeah, that, that's great evolutionary science right there. <laughs> there's an inhuman that does that too. So what he did is that for a while he was, he was unable to make decisions about what to do with his life. And so he would just make duplicates and they would go and do off everything. They would do everything. <laughs> and so throughout it's the series, he meets up with duplicates of himself 
and he absorbs them back in and gains all of their knowledge. I was going to say, can, can he reabsorb yep. the... Yeah. So he reabsorbs them and gains all their knowledge. And some of them freak out about this because they don't want to give up the lives they have. No kidding. Yeah. And they're like, well, I've spent like years having this and I have a family and I don't want to get absorbed back into you. And he's like, but I need your brain. <laughs> oh, no. So sometimes like, so it's, it's a... It's a really fun series. Like, I don't know how understandable it is to somebody that hasn't read other stuff because you have stuff showing up. It's like, oh my gosh, it's Longshot or whatever. And people are like, who's Longshot? (laughs) Speaking as someone who's had a lot of those moments dipping in and out of both Avengers and X-Men, I just kind of ignore them and I pay attention to the stuff that makes sense. When I think about like how I got into X-Men as well, like and getting getting into superhero comics, I had no idea what any of that stuff was. And I still liked it and read it and enjoyed it. So I think X-Factor is... Is, is is a fun series. I liked it a lot. And I would be curious to see what it's like to someone who hasn't doesn't have the X-Men experience and doesn't have the connection to the characters. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of the time, for someone like me who's read so much of the stuff, you read these things because you like the character and not mm-hmm. necessarily the story. Hmm. Um, the other more recent one that is really fun uh, and that you might enjoy is uh, Wolverine and the X-Men by Jason Aaron, uh, which was... Him starting up the Jean Grey school for higher learning and Wolverine, Wolverine is, is, headmaster. is the yeah. like yeah the headmaster of the school. <laughs> Which is exact that's all that's all the that's Wolverine gonna be I a want different curriculum. And it is pretty great. It introduced a lot of new characters. It had it reintroduced Quentin Choir, who is amazing. Um he's he I've cosplayed as him. <laughs> Although I only did this after I realized that I had his haircut by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got the costume, but yeah, he's pretty great. Uh, and <laughs> there's a lot of really fun, like teenage school stuff happening in that one, fabulous, and, and other fun adventure stuff as well. So that one's worth reading as well. I think this is gonna be a big giant list. Yeah, I'm got, excited. I've, I've been so taking really notes excited. The whole notes is great. Along. This is gonna be great. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like we didn't tell you to read like all 200 issues that Chris Claremont wrote. So like, yeah, it's not that Thank terrible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. Though if you like the other stuff, you can go. I don't yeah. think that's the worst thing you can do with your time. Yeah, yeah, no, I think entry points is the big thing with something as big and sprawling as X-Men. Yes. And this gives us some. I think, I think also, like, once you've read some stuff, like, pick a character or pick a creator and just go and find the stuff you like yeah. by them. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, I really like... Storm. Storm. Go read the Greg Pak Storm series. It's amazing. Or even, like, go back and read, like, the Claremont stuff that Storm played a re- major role in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like... Yeah, just just follow the characters, I think, more than yeah. anything else. Like, because there's new ones introduced all the time and old ones that show up again. And there's sometimes so you're not going to like how they are. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Or how they're depicted physically, maybe, so, which we didn't even get into. Here's a, oh, yeah. We'll have to do that another time. <laughs> here's a last question, though. Who is everyone's favorite X-Men character? Ooh. Mine is Nightcrawler. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hate to be like a copycat, but I'm pretty sure mine's Nightcrawler, too. A lot of that has to do with latent Catholic guilt. Um, because I don't yeah him. legit cool yeah uh, see, recovering Catholics yeah I loved Nightcrawler when I was reading Excalibur <laughs> mm-hmm. and like getting all the back issues and then and that was when he was like Errol Flynn style swashbuckler yes, that, I mean that's the and Nightcrawler I love. loved that and then it was like he went off and became a Catholic priest I'm like oh you're boring and <laughs> isn't there a, like an like an alternate version or something where Nightcrawler's a pirate Probably. There's, um, probably. There's probably uh, a lot of those to be totally honest. <laughs> one of the lines, I cannot remember which line it is now, but one of the lines from like 2015, like not a very old line, yeah. starts out with him. He's dead and he's in heaven. It's uh, Amazing X-Men. It's amazing. Um, 
amazing ex. It's all amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got it. We got it. We're getting the lingo now. Yeah. Um, he he starts out uh, in heaven, and he is real weirded out by it being a Catholic. He's yeah. like, "What is happening?" <laughs> uh, and I don't necessarily want to be here. And then he gets pulled out of heaven, and it's there's some really interesting like theological um, inferences you can make if you are. Uh, like Ali and I, a recovering Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he becomes a pirate. Yeah. I also really like Gambit, though. To be fair, I was just gonna say. And I, I was like, I, about I do, I do like, like you know, all the representations of Gambit I've seen. I also know that you know, friend of the show, Melanie Cassidy, would smack me in the face for liking Gambit, and I don't know why yet. But I will find out why she hates him so much. <laughs> uh, I the think, new Deadpool. I think Gambit honestly, is really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <FYI>. <laughs> like, no matter what you say about Gambit. He, like, didn't leave his wife and child to go off with his ex-girlfriend like Scott Summers did. Hey. So. Well, there lots, you go. Lots and lots of times. Snap, snaps. <laughs> um, I don't know how this opinion is going to go over, but I have always really enjoyed Magneto. I, I think he's, he's great. Yeah. yeah. He's an amazing character. I, I love the, the conflict in him. I love the mm. sort of... He went through this awful thing and he doesn't want to see that awful thing happen again, but he... Knows it's probably going to. Yeah. So things would just be simpler if he was just in control of everything. That would just be that. We find that way. And mm-hmm. <laughs> how many ways that goes wrong for him in the different iterations that I've read anyway. Maybe that was one of the big things, problems I had with, with Apocalypse was like, you know, the way that the way that Magneto worked, like, because, you know, someone who, who, who lived through that now wanting to subjugate a bunch of people, like, it didn't make sense to me. But I don't know. Magneto has like changed exactly what he's doing so many yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but anyway, my favorite is is probably right now is probably Quentin Quire. Yeah, I really liked mm-hmm. his character moving in the X Men. I'm kind of sad he doesn't seem to be. I don't think he's showing up in anything right now. What's his power? Psychic stuff. Cool. <laughs> his power seems he, to be attitude. Yeah. As far as I can tell. See, there's another reason I like Magneto. His power is easy to wrap your mind around. <laughs> he becomes. He, he he does like telepathy stuff, but he also. He he makes like a psychic shotgun at some point, I think. Oh, cool! And he, bec- he in like in a future or several futures, he becomes like a Phoenix Force holder. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't know Phoenix uh, Quentin Quire very well, and I feel like I should know him better. I've only seen him as like bit character in other. It's like hey, there's Quentin Quire, and if you don't know what he looks like, you'd probably have missed. He has great T-shirts. Know. He's just like a sassy teen. I like it. <laughs> that sounds like fun. There's Sometimes a sassy adult. Like, he's amazing when uh, he graduates from school and he's like, oh no, what do I do with my life now? <laughs> what is going wrong? And I'm like, oh, I connect with you so much. <laughs> it so, sounds like um, in the new movies, Quicksilver is maybe feeling a little bit of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sassy very teen enjoyable role. sassy teen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was an awesome conversation. Um, I feel so much more comfortable about like where to start. So I, I definitely have. Or at least we have no, more it, places but, to start. Uh, yeah. So if we don't like one, like for instance, I, I tried that Joss Whedon series. I did not like it. But now I have more it's places not, it's to go. It's not necessarily my favorite, but I feel yeah. like a lot of people yeah. like it as an But yeah, now we have tons yeah. of other places to go. Well, thank you guys so much for being on. Thanks for having us. Yep. And we'll be back next week to talk more about X-Men. Right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Now we know all of the things. I feel like I have like a reading list now. You know, we probably actually only know like 10% of the things after that. Yeah. There's so much things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my brain is so very full. Um, there was some interesting discussion uh, on Twitter afterwards about um, um, 
how we after all that talk about the X-Men and diversity, we kind of yeah. all picked straight white dudes as our favorite characters. E- uh, but, you know, well. you love what you love. And there's nothing inherently evil about straight white dudes. Well, <laughs> Mostly. Mm. <laughs> That's iffy. Um, but tell us who your favorite X-Men is. Yeah. Or where you think people should start if you're love into the X-Men. Know. Or whether this was at all helpful if you are not into the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we did just like to talk, too. Mm-hmm. That was also a big part of it. Yeah. But yeah, thank you again to Matthew and Sarah for coming on the show. And like they hadn't actually met before that. So that was like yeah. a very interesting dynamic, too. Yeah. All the X-Men love around the table. Um, if you want to tweet at them about X-Men or library things or archive things, you mm-hmm. can find them on Twitter. Sarah is at Archivalistic. And, and Matthew is at Midnight Library. And that's Midnight N-I-T-E. Yes. Uh, and we'll link to them in the show notes as well. Yep. Um, a little bit of other fun on Twitter in the last little while. <laughs> Apparently Tamarack would like us on her karaoke team. Which I did not realize karaoke had teams. For the record, I would like to state that I can actually sing better than I sang in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty cute. It was good. It worked. Um, John, um, well, uh, you know, Cox I listened John. back to it and edit the, edited the episode and I still put it in. So. Yeah. Cox and, John, uh, Cox and John said he loved the flavor of our haterade. So, <laughs> or he says it tasted delicious. So, and yeah, there was Fair definitely enough. some fun talk about like going to karaoke that came out of that. So that yeah. was super sweet. Yeah. Uh, and other fun library and SS librarianship world news. Um, Matthew was also at Comic-Con after he was on with us. Yeah, San Diego Comic-Con. So we are definitely going to drag him back here soon, perhaps for episode 77 or 88. Yes. um, And have him tell us all about what it was like to be a librarian at Comic-Con. Yeah. Because he was actually doing like library stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty freaking awesome. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, if people want to find Matthew's previous episodes or anything else about the show, where can they go? Oh, if only there was a place on the internet that had all of that information conveniently co-located and tagged and categorized. Oh, if wait. only we had trained to do such a thing. Oh, wait. Yes, everything's at sslibrarianship.com, guys. You you know that by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can buy a button. You can find all our, our, our various social medias. Uh, you can send us a message. You can troll through the archives, whatever you would like to do. Yeah, so I guess all that's left is... Is to thank Jonathan Colton <laughs> for our theme song, uh, Glasses, off the album Artificial Heart. I don't think that album with him and Amy and Ted has dropped yet. I'm nope. still waiting. Still waiting. And I mean, I guess we're not we're not going to go on the Joko cruise this the coming uh, year. But uh, in cruise news, if you are a sea monkey, um, they have released some of the guests for next year. Uh, yeah. Adam Savage is going to be on the boat. So that should be pretty cool. I am just like watching you very carefully right now to make sure you don't say McElroy's because then I might have to like reconsider not going next year. <laughs> no, not having anything about the McElroy's yet. Mm. But... You know, we should just we should just have a bim bam cruise, but like just get a boat in like Cole Harbor, you know, mm-hmm. like invite them up. Be like, it's going to be a big thing. And it'll be like, you know, you and me. We'll be and, like, you guys enjoyed Vancouver. Yes. People give you poutine potato chips. Yeah, right. It's the boat. Justin cruise. got stuck with $40 Canadian for like six months after that. Yeah, yeah. Super fun. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like ending the episode by alienating 90% of our audience. Well, you know, we try. All right, kids, that's it for us this uh, this fortnight. And uh, we'll just have to catch you on the proverbial flip side. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes a day, say, as it passes, forget the face.
Oh.